Set yourself a New Year goal, they said. It'll be fun. <sighs> Perhaps swimming in the Irish Sea wasn't such a good idea. Set a more achievable goal, like taking control of your finances with personalised money insights in the Bank of Ireland app. It'll help keep track of your spending, like changes to bills, or you might have too many subscriptions. See your tailored money insights, because your financial well-being is our priority. Bank of Ireland. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Terms and conditions apply. Great. There goes my towel. The Left Wing, brought to you by Bank of Ireland, a proud sponsor of Irish Rugby. Never stop competing. Welcome to the Left Wing Podcast in association with Aldi. Spend €30 Euro in store for a chance to win €50,000 for your primary school. Start collecting your Irish rugby stickers today. And they were O'Driscoll, Morgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald, oh Fitzgerald is coming back inside! Let's have another! Darcy O'Driscoll oh. through the ranks, Rob Carney out of Fitzgerald again, step and score, number two for him! Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's rugby podcast in association with Ali. I'm Will Slattery. Delighted to be joined in studio, as always, by Luke Westrell and by Fergus McFadden. Lads, hello. Will. Great energy. Thank you. Great energy, Thank you. yeah. Very good. Great One start. take. No practice. Continue that going in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I called Fergus, Fergus McFadden instead of Luke Westrell this time, so I didn't have to retake it. So that, that's always a good it's start. It's tough and first remembering two names. Uh, yeah. Um, what a weekend, though, lads. We, yeah. we were here last weekend kind of teeing it up and... Uh, we got like the World Cups can be a slow burner sometimes, but all three games on the Saturday in particular were really exciting. Like anything stand out to you before we get into the Ireland, the obvious stuff, but anything kind of jump out to you across the weekend? Uh, I thought the France Argentina match was brilliant. Um, you know, I thought that the, the, the sorry the discipline was kind of a standout thing in a few of the games. Like I thought the South Africans weren't great in that respect, and New Zealand, as per usual, got away with a load of stuff. But um, we'll come ter- to that in, time. in terms of yeah, in terms of quality, like like a, just a great game, really tight, exactly what you'd expect. A real tough, big. Um, pool match kind of that's probably going to dictate who's going to get into that quarterfinal really because based on form we think England are going to get through that but that was a cracking match I mean like um, to have the kick at the end and miss it and it's very unlike him um, I thought that was a brilliant spectacle and like I think there was uh, like loads of quality on, on show I mean the French guys I don't know what you thought for it but like I just thought your man Pinot um, he's electric, yeah. Oh, he's so hard to stop, and he just like he's so aggressive in the contact. We like we mm. we'll know like there's lots of wingers and, and guys who are kind of um, who, who are you know dainty, like they've got great agility and they're hard to take down, but they don't always run really hard. Like he looks like he just goes as hard as he can into every contact, and it's I think that's a big reason why while he's a great balanced runner, he's so hard to take down. He can be a nightmare to defend against. Yeah, he's very explosive. Yeah, yeah, he's very quick on his feet. He seems to be like the French version of of Jordan Larmer, just a little bit taller. Um, you know, he's ripping up. Not hard in fairness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but he's ripping up for Claremont last yeah. year, and he's taken that into the test level, which isn't easy. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'd agree with you. I think that that Argentinian French game, in terms of tightness, uh, the rugby that was played was uh, pretty spectacular at times. But another one that stood out for me was that we had pinpointed uh, last week was uh, Fiji Australia. I think for a neutral. Did you get up for it? I didn't get up for it. No. I, <laughs> I got the alarm set at five twenty. Did you actually? Uh, yeah, I was eager, but you have a commitment there. <laughs> well, I two o'clock in the day. I felt like I'd actually gone to Japan and I was jet lagged. I was. I didn't know which way. Technically, you up. did if you got up at that time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you were. It was yeah, it. I think that was just a fantastic game. Um, I mean, you could see the Fijians have a bit more structure than they than they have done at previous World Cups. If they could have just pulled it together for like a twenty minute period. They kind of switched off, but some of the tries they scored. That one they scored went two weeks over from a standing start, and uh, such a nightmare. Yato, yeah, he's like he he bumped off whoever ever was in front of him there, handed someone off into Yato, who's like gazelle going in the wing. So, um, yeah, two great games, and obviously, you know, brilliant to see Ireland get off to such a good start as well. Yeah, where, where did you guys where did you guys watch the Ireland game? Anything? Uh, I was down in Killarney um, getting absolutely rinsed on a wedding venue um, so <laughs> it was nice uh, it was a nice I suppose um, 
nice to watch it I think in, in like amongst real supporters as well I was kind of I was sitting at the back just kind of watching all the interactions getting abused yeah, yeah, no I was sitting at the well, back like, so no one saw if you, if you got a half of the adulation you got at the National Plowing Championships last week when you literally were given a baby to kiss I like you, I would have thought I wasn't given a baby to kiss Will Jesus Christ um, but uh, yeah look it was it was great because I got to watch there was a load of kids around and lots of kind of real supporters and just watching all the reactions like, while, like I'm a supporter as well but you're kind of watching it with a different eye particularly when you have to comment on it and um, um, and you're watching friends and stuff and you're trying to be a bit more technical. I think the raw emotion that was around was brilliant. Um, and it was great. Like, I mean, it was an unbelievable performance. So that was where I was watching. I was watching it then in, in, in Kerry. So um, what about you? Yeah. yeah, I was actually at a wedding as well <laughs> and I had to get up early. So, um, yeah, just brilliant to see the guys play so well. I mean, we were kind of surmising as to what was going to happen uh, last week. And we said it was going to be, I think we, from my recollection, we said it was going to be a narrow enough Irish mm. victory and it, it turned out to be a really comprehensive one. Um, we were right, I think, with you know the Irish pack completely dominating them. But as far as the Scots are concerned, uh, you know, they'd have to be pretty pretty disappointed with yeah. that start. Um, an understatement, I think. Yeah, it was, it was pretty bad now from them. Um, but at the same time, it was a complete 80-minute performance from Ireland. You can only play what's in front of you. I think there was some outstanding players in the pack um, who were, some had been questioned going over. Um, in fairness to CJ Stander, he had a great game. Mm. James Ryan, um, you know, what can you you can you say about this, the, the guy at this stage that people haven't already in, in terms of um, his projection? He's just become one of the, you know the top two players in the country easily yeah. with himself oh, and Johnny he's being such pivotal. Go-to, isn't he? Like yeah, I just think the stats are um, off the charts every week, and they don't change. He just yeah. he, he doesn't seem to make those simple errors, um, handling errors that, that other players do, uh, tight in contact, and he had an absolutely outstanding game. And then guys in the back line that weren't expected to to start played great as well. I thought Andy Conway did brilliantly for that try to um, break that ball down. Uh, to think Jordan and then to have the awareness to get back to his wing and Murray to, to give him the ball and, and step. I think Finn Russell was, was a brilliant finish. So some great individual performances. Yeah, it was brilliant because well. like, that was particularly impressive. And I was I really thought Murray had a super game as well. I thought some of his kicking was excellent. Um, particular, do you know the stuff as well? Those, those kicks that he can do where he actually clears the ball, like he's actually going for touch. It takes so much pressure off your 10. Um, and he must—he's just like when he's playing that, when he's zipping the passes out, um, he looks like he's back to full fitness, which is great. Because I think he'd been struggling with that neck thing. It looks like that—that like, that can have a big impact on your arm, and particularly, you know, for for a scrum half, if you're if you're if you lose a little bit of power in the arm, which can happen with a neck injury from time to time, it can take a while for it to come back. But that's a huge part of your game. That looks zippy, very positive, I thought. Um, and even the kick for Conway was brilliant, you know. And like while he got a lot of credit for the pass out to Conway, I actually think that was brilliant by Conway, as exactly as Ferg said, because. Even at that point, you'd be looking for the rest of your backline, but he obviously got a call from Conway once he stepped back out that there was an opportunity on, and he finished it really, really well, I thought. So, um, great performance. Um, yeah, James Ryan, like, I mean, he's one of those guys, he's become one of those people where, you know, he can have a standout moment in the game or a few big moments, like a run or something, or a big tackle. But he he just impacts the game no matter what. I just He's become one of those players that the staff, Ferg referred to the stats, like they're just so good every week. You can just rely on that, and that's something that you can build around. And I think he's going to be hopefully like, you know, there's no like injury permitting. This guy is just going to have an astronomical career path, I think. Um, and he looks like a leader as well. I mean, it'd be interesting to hear your take on that because you'll see the guy behind the scenes. I know from talking to yourself, you know, here and there, and, and some of the other guys in the setup that that I would kind of have stayed close. And I was kind of asking about him because I'd have a relate. Like the the families would be quite close. But I just didn't know what he'd be like in the setup. Like I heard he's kind of quiet, but he's yeah. He didn't give he, him much away when he came in. Yeah, here. he's kind of yeah. he can be a little bit quiet. He think he's like like I think he's one of those people. From what I gather, uh, interesting here you're taking it that when he speaks, you kind of listen. But he doesn't. Oh, he doesn't speak for the sake of speaking. Um, do you think he'll grow into that kind of leadership role? Like I can only see that happening. But if you don't have the personality, you don't have the personality for it. Yeah, I think he's one of those younger leaders that was obviously he he, he was a captain of his junior cup team, senior cup team, his under twenty side. Um, but he came into the Leinster setup and just decided I'm just going to um, prove my worth at my performances initially, and then you know start to talk up a little bit more in meetings. I think you know some younger guys can come out of school maybe and 
Sometimes Me. talk a little <laughs> <laughs> talk a little bit too much. Yeah. Live it like Nicky. Yeah. Yeah. No, but you know that's yeah. it's it's hard it's hard to switch that off. You know when you've mm-hmm. been the, the leader in school and you've been the guy talking all the meetings. So um, that's just the way James did it and the way he played. Um, at times he doesn't even need to talk because he just he's getting off the line every time. Um, he's making very few errors and he's 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 working his arse off every game. Um, as we said, the stats there show that. So um, I mean, I think I'm pretty sure I could be quoted on this one from a, a couple of times I was on, or the two times ago when I was on the show. Uh, I'd mentioned that I think that he he'd be like a front runner for that South African uh, tour for the Lions to be captain. And you can go back on the reels uh, yeah. and, and check it up, but I'm pretty sure I did say that because he was just playing so well for Leinster at the time. And uh, I mean, I just think he'll be at the perfect age going over there. I mean, touch wood for him, mm. but um, with the way he's playing at the moment, you couldn't uh, you couldn't argue against that, really. Mm. Yeah, and there was some other good performance in the pack. To be fair to Rory Best, he, he came into this tournament under huge pressure like yeah. you know me you and Rory O'Connor sat here I think after the England game and I think the consensus was that you know if he was going to be in the team for the Scotland game it would be there on past performances rather than what he could bring now but he had a very good game they won all their lineouts. he was you know more prevalent around the pitch than he maybe had been previous so you can only kind of congratulate him or, or, or give him a tribute, I guess, or a tribute. Yeah, well, I'm not going to give him a tribute, Will, not <laughs> quite, but I'll praise him, absolutely. Look, I thought he was really, really good, led from the front. Um, you know, the the piece, you know, the, the main concern was around the line and I thought they called that very well, first of all. Um, um, but he also delivered, like, you still have to throw the bloody thing in, and he did that really well. So um, I was delighted for him. Um, you know, as much as I've been a fairly vo- vocal critic of him and I've been calling for Sean Cronin or Scannell to be in ahead of him uh, for quite some time, Joe stuck with him, so we have to stick with him at this point, you know. Um, the viable alternatives are probably haven't had enough exposure to pressure, um, you know, circumstances consistently enough. Um, so we are relying on him. I thought he was brilliant. So I, I was I was actually delighted for much as people will say, like, it's, it's funny, people think you can't change your opinion on these things. Um, I don't think I have necessarily, but I did think he was really good in the weekend. Um, it's just good, though, I guess, the whole kind of you know, build-up of noise around his position in the team as the captain's now kind of been put to bed ahead of what's well, a long build-up. It's important build up. your captain is yeah, playing well. exactly. Well, like. It's a long build-up yeah. to the quarter-final against South Africa, so at least, you know, going into that game, it won't be still, oh, will Rory play? Should he be in the team? Should he, you know, stuff like that. He had a great know. finish for the try as well. I know it was yeah, a ball, but really, really good to, finish. you know, turn his body and get it, actually get it down, yeah. um, you know, was 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 uh, extremely well done by him. He also played 80 minutes, didn't he? Yeah, yeah he did, uh, yeah, yeah. And I, I was confused, but I think they're both Scanlon and somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. I think he came on for Josh van der Fleer maybe mm. um, but mm. you know to play 80 minutes and play that well I'm sure he'll be delighted um, it'll just be interesting to know now what Joe does for this second game because um, you know I, I, I'm sure the team won't get complacent but um, you know they'll be looking for another five points definitely out of the second game for sure but from the way they played in the first I think uh, the most positive thing from the first uh, performance against Scotland is the competitiveness it'll, it'll create in a couple of positions where there was probably a few guys thinking they were s- sewn in. Um, and I think the few guys that didn't play and the few guys got opportunities in the back line, you know, they could argue they put their hand up now for yeah. uh, the game stay in the line. Well, so. That's the interesting thing. Like, you look at the, the guys to come back, your Robbie Henshaws, your Rob Carney's, your Keith Earls, in the back three, in the centre, there's competition, the back row. Mm-hmm. The front five is probably the front five at this stage. Like, the lads who played at the weekend are kind of nailed on. I mean, but everywhere else, though, there, there, bar maybe half back, there's a lot of competition you know and there's four weeks for players to put their hand up yeah like you'd have to say like uh, I, I thought a real standout was was our front row guys like I mean I know Roy Best had a very good game but like Ty Furlong and Keane Healy Porter came on I thought did well but Kilcoyne as well like the, the power and the aggression and the, the the way they delivered on the game plan throughout the 80 minutes our front row is a real point of difference for us I think it's so so good I mean we know having played without those Leinster guys for such a long period of time you're just so lucky like the likes of Keane Healy like mm. I mean you see the warm up footage I mean the guy's a freak of an athlete but he just the, the, that injury like, tear both like, hamstrings no, and like fracture his back but like he, the guy he's done he all he be working things. in Cirque du Soleil pretty quickly <laughs> after, <laughs> uh, after <laughs> but like he is such a good athlete um, and I thought Dave Kilcoyne has been playing brilliant rugby as well so to have those guys firing you saw how strong the scrum was, was t- uh, throughout the game um, like it's such a good platform for everyone else in the team and it means the likes of uh, Chris Farrell who came in who I thought was really really good had a big impact as well um, it makes the game so much easier for all those guys and even Carty who came on 
I thought he was really, really good. He had a few lovely touches, um, particularly when the conditions uh, the conditions weren't great as well. Um, I thought he was really good, and he, st- he had a few steady moments as well, which I was good to see because I, I, that's my one concern. And I always think Ross Byrne is kind of feels like a steadier player. But I thought, you know, Cardi did a few lovely things. That chip where he checked back on the inside foot and chipped it through was a lovely bit of play. Mm-hmm. But he, he had a few steady things as well. When the game is still, like, it's still in, like, if they got two quick tries, which is definitely capable of doing, that game was right in the balance again, even though Johnny was off. And I thought he managed the game very well when he came on, as, as did Luke McGrath. So, look, we're in a great place in terms of everyone playing well. Um, and there'd be a lot of confidence. I think Ferg, like Ferg said it there as well. It is still very, very important. They take this Japanese game very, very seriously. And they try and smash them. They need to put down a marker now mm. um, and make sure they get a bit of continuity. Like, I'd be kind of leaning towards, you know, having pretty much the same group of players. Well, that was going to be my, my yeah. question. Like, I think Joe today was talking and it did sound like he's looking to make a couple of changes. So, yeah. I know some of them might be enforced. I know Johnny Sexton's carrying an injury, so you might see Joey Carberry there. But would you... Mm. What would you do with the, with the rest of the team? Would you like to keep most of them in situ, or would you bring in a few new faces? Well, I suppose if I if as the coach, I'd I'd probably be agreeing with Luke. Uh, I'd probably try to get another big performance uh, under my belt. Obviously, you're trying to manage a couple of guys, and if they've got a few injuries, you're going to have to leave them off. But um, I think the guys that stuck their hand up last weekend, it shows that there's probably 31 players now. There's 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 a deepness there in the squad where we know we can probably go a long, long way. Um, in previous World Cups, you'd probably go, God, if we if we, you know, lost four four or five guys, you know, we'd be in real trouble here. And I know we've got one or two pivotal guys, but I'm talking across the board. Yeah. Uh, there's great depth there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even thought, um, you know, Henderson and and, and Ryan, oh, Henderson was they had their, I think they had their best performance as a partnership yeah. together. They were just so destructive uh, in the loose carrying. Uh, and mm-hmm. some of the rooks they're hitting, I think we we haven't mentioned the rooking yet. I think yeah. the Scots generally make the 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 rook area a complete shit fight and I don't yeah. think we let that happen mm-hmm. uh, so a credit to our forwards and, and and the backs in that area for sure yeah and like I think as well like it, it was they got a lot of confidence I thought from the set piece you know because that can kind of rattle you a little bit particularly for Henderson who was calling the line out um like we all know like he's a very bright guy um you know anyway so he should be able to figure the stuff out but it's very difficult when you're under pressure to still be thinking clearly um so that was good to see him deliver on that and it takes pressure off the likes of Roy Best and I thought a lot of the good things that that I think Ireland did they kind of stemmed from that like we get a lot of you get a huge amount of confidence from your set piece you know you can put the ball out and you know you're going to be able to get it from a penalty you know that if you're on your line you can clear it but you know it doesn't have to be an unbelievable clearance because you know you're going to compete well or whatever it is mm. all those things kind of like kind of flowed from that um so I thought they were really good and Henderson like as a guy who I think that this is a really big tournament for him he's going to be Ulster captain next year so he's going to have pressure to deliver every week it's something that I think with him this could be his, I know he's been around, he's played for the Lions, but it kind of could be his coming out party a little bit in that he he could deliver, I think he has the potential to be absolutely world class, but he has moments in games where he kind of shuts off, particularly in defence, um, and with the line out calling now added to that, if he can get the defensive piece right, like he's so destructive carrying the ball, I know it was terrible Scottish defence, but like for for your second row to be able to do stuff something like that, um, and his other bits around, particularly around the rook, he's very good at holding guys up and turning the ball over in that way, so he had a huge impact on the game. I'd love to see him consistent, like have a real consistent tournament and play and impact the game every time he well, plays. And without looking too far ahead, but well, I'm going to do that anyway. Like when you're playing South Africa, like they're so strong in the second row, mm-hmm. like to have such a good partnership in Ryan and Henderson, and you know it could be Burn on the bench, it could be Klein, we don't know yet, but yeah. that's going to be that's going to be such an important part of that game. It's going to be huge, and mm-hmm. I think um, with how our front five played in the game, you mentioned our front row, how well they played, um, but the second row is, you know. They got through so much work. Uh, their agility. I mean, you, you, I, I think they're better than the South Af- than what the South Africans had. I genuinely think they're better. And you know, um, how many years ago uh, would you would you always gone that the South Africans are better in the in the engine room than mm-hmm. than, than Ireland? But I certainly think we'll have a strength there if we face them in the quarters. But that's that's what it looks like it'll be at the moment. And w- yeah. One thing about the match as well that was kind of obviously curious was obviously Johnny Sexton wasn't kicking. He got another knock. Um, and just kind of we don't really know exactly what's wrong with him or if he'll be playing. It, it it's the kind of the one negative. There's a bit of a it's a bit of a kind of a cloud over it because you don't know if he's fit. And we've been here before with him missing games and if he's if he's not fit. Like how much of a worry is that? And how disruptive is it for the squad? Like yet in 2015, obviously in the run up to that quarter final, it was the Willie Wonty as well. Mm. 
Like how how disruptive is that for the team when your key playmaker, your best player, you don't know if he's going to be fit or he's training and then he can't train or he might play or he's playing and he's not kicking. Mm. Like that, that that's not ideal by any means. No, it certainly isn't ideal. Um, and they need to get that resolved as quickly as they can. But what I think it does do is it gives an opportunity to, um, you know, play one of the other guys, play play Carberry, play, uh, like play Carty. That the pack is playing well. If you if the pack can play well, you get a bit of, a bit of consistency in terms of selection there. Those guys would look good. Like remember, Johnny looks great all the time, and he is he's he is unbelievable. Sir, I, I'm honestly his biggest fan. But he's playing in front of a pack with Leinster, who are smashing teams week in week out. And you look at the, even the guys they bring off the bench. Ireland's pack played brilliant on the weekend. So, like it's a great opportunity if those guys are playing well, and you can keep the consistency there to play them, give them an opportunity to play not in the last twenty minutes of a game when it's you know like I know the conditions were crap on the weekend, but like. Not when the, when the game is over. The other team is kind of attacking. You're kind of holding on to a lead. Let them play in a big in a big game with the full Irish pack against a team that you know they could get on top of. Get the confidence going. Get the other guys around them used to playing with them. It's a big opportunity to do that. We know Johnny can come back and deliver, and we need him for those. You know that we are going to need him there. But we also need to develop mm. people like in a World Cup scenario when the pressure is really really on. Who are a viable alternative? Yeah, um, and that's and this is a big opportunity I think to do that in a game that really means a lot. This Japanese game means a huge amount, so I think it's a good opportunity to do that. What I would say, just just to, just as a general point about this, because I feel like we're going to be, I just think it's an important point to make because I was thinking about it today. We're kind of all the talk has been unbelievably positive since the weekend. Ireland are back to the like. This, a few weeks ago, we were and as I like, like I did say it. I said after the game, it doesn't matter. It's a warm up game, but. This is like it's a three or four weeks turnaround against a Scottish team that didn't play well. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. I don't. I I just don't want us yeah, to fall into that trap. Mass, there was a massive difference though between yeah. the line, even the line speed that was that, great. Sorry, that the line I, yeah. speed that Ireland brought against Scotland at the weekend um, just was not there against England that day in Twickenham. Yeah, you know, really wasn't, yeah. and that's why they kept getting over the gain line where we put the Scots under so much pressure. You could say they were very bad and all the rest, but. They had that rush defence off a couple of um, lineouts and and scrums at Ireland where they just fumbled the ball to Scots because they didn't have the skills to to get it to the edge or to go through with the move. So, um, you know, Andy Farrell's obviously ramped the line speed up um, in the past few weekends and you really saw that I think on uh, on Saturday. I'm just more. I'm just. Do you know when you kind of have that little bit of worry where I just looked at every single bit of media coverage around the team and. <laughs> Even the guys afterwards, they were absolutely delighted. And, and of course, it would have been a massive pressure off them. It was the biggest game of the group. I just don't want us to fall, like to, to lull ourselves into thinking that one performance against a Scottish team who, let's face yeah, it... But it's, not even the, it's not even just a Scottish performance. What, yeah. what gives me massive encouragement is um, the South Africa that we saw at the weekend weren't as impressive as they have been, I think, in the past mm. few months. I, they were very good at times, but I think there was a few things they did in the game. I think you mentioned before... Um, hand when the All Blacks had made that break and they're making a few silly decisions in defence just mm. rushing out of the line stuff that Ireland wouldn't do I don't mm. think you know it'd be more yeah. composed in that situation I think there's there's parts of the South African game now that would encourage me about us beating them in that quarter now yeah I don't I think I think it's been measured enough there's been a couple uh, of articles it hasn't been measured it was like well, we've had sorry if you think of our if you think of our 2018 uh, or 2019 season um, like that's that's our first I think our first really good maybe the you could argue maybe the French one at home was pretty decent but I think they were pretty poor on that one um, I just don't want to I'm, I'm really I feel way more positive about where we are at the moment I just want us to continue this on there's there's you know three other matches in the pool stage that I think we do need to deliver really big performances and build momentum and confidence um, and use the squad there, as Ferg said there is depth there we need to trust it now I just want us to make sure that we don't get too far ahead of ourselves. We don't get lost in the coverage. That South Africa match, um, that is going to be a way, way different. I don't. I know we are completely getting ahead of ourselves because <laughs> there are just three more games. Said. But I'm, no, no, I'm just saying that South Africa match. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm just oh, sorry. We're going to win the rest of them. Okay. I, no, we are going to do that. Yeah. I'm not saying. I just we need to build performances and have consistency for the rest of them. Yeah, let's just preview I, that quarterfinal now. And, and I'm going to do that. Get, I, and try I, also get through without injuring some key guys, really, because yeah. I think you talked about how much rotation is Joe Schmidt going to do. None of us know here what he's going to do. All I know is at previous World Cups, the best players, once they get to the World Cup, they want to play in every game. So even the Drickos and all the rest down through the years, because those caps add up, and how many World Cups do you get to? Three or four? You want to get as many as possible. So I'd imagine that all the, the the 
main guys will be in that 23 mm. that are fit to play and that can play but there probably will be a couple of rotations purely to just see a few different combinations well, well that's the, the point I was making on Johnny Sexton so re- realistically you don't want to play him in the last game against Samoa like I don't know if you, you saw the game today like those shots you don't want to be putting Sexton <laughs> in, pretty... in that line of fire how about oh. the shot from the seven on Billy Vunapola yeah oh, that was Tonga the Tonga was the, the, unbelievable the Tonga yeah, yeah. seven um, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen Billy. It's actually great to see. It's good to see. Yeah, he's, he's human. He, he's human. He's yeah. human. Yeah. Eddie Jones running him out against the Americans as well. He, geez, he's really getting this pound of flesh out of Billy. But uh, just on Sexton though, like, so you mightn't play against Samoa in the last game if he's not fit to play this game. Does that, Russia is the only other really opportunity to get some more game time into him because you, you would you'd you'd want to, to get at least one more run out before that quarter final. Well, it'd only have been his second game um, that one on the weekend, you know. So he does need to play more rugby, like, and you do need to build in. That's kind of what I was leaning towards in terms of picking the same team again. Um, you know, maybe you might add in a few, you know, maybe uh, like a Keith Earls if he's back or a Rob Carn. Yeah, like best, be, best probably don't play. Uh, he played eighty. Yeah, but like, sorry, but you do need to build in that kind of resilience because you're going to want to have to, you know, like you might have one or two injuries. Like the last World Cup was just a freak where you have five major players out in one game, right? But if you go to a quarter final, semi final, final, like you're going to need to build in resilience to play week after week that doesn't just happen like you need to just like it's like in during the season like you play the maybe like maybe three of the four games before Six Nations because you need to build in big match resilience into your body like it's it's a big difference between training has he been ruled out yet though no, I don't know if he's been ruled out. He Sorry, been ruled out, but I'm, yeah, given the talk, I'll be very. Surprised. I'm just more talking about the, the team and building towards that. Like I do think they need, and they need the consistency there as well. So you do want to rotate a few guys in, and there's going to be opportunity to do that in one of those games, I think, um, if not two. Um, but you do want to make sure that the guys get exposed to tough rugby matches, so that if you do, because like, I think yeah, to win it, you need guys yeah. who've got endurance under short turnarounds, because you know some some teams. Um, you know, the Russians played with the, what was it, three or four day turnaround? Four day turnaround. Yeah. So that's, you know, they, they had some guys playing again, a lot of guys playing again. And, you know, there's going to be stages where we're going to be in that position. So mm. it's like you want guys to be able to front up. We've got, you know, a massive quarter leading into a huge semi. You're, you're obviously going to want to play your best best guys. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you want them training as well. Yeah, because the Southern Hemisphere guys will have that. Like they'll have played the Super Rugby and most of them, you know, you'd think it probably would have gotten to, you know, the latter-ish stages of the, of those matches and they would have played rugby championships. So they have that in them there. Like, they, that's there. They know they can rely on that. There's not going to be a case. They're just literally tapering guys and making sure they're not overdoing it. We need to get to that level and then taper. And it's figuring out which one to do it in is going to be tricky, you know? Well, speaking of Southern Hemisphere, obviously we had the Clash of the Titans as well, New Zealand, South Africa. I noticed you didn't bring in that coffee that you lost. You're welching on the bed already. I'll get him, don't you worry. I'll in. find you. I'll find um, you. I'll get you afterwards. You might not sleep tonight, <laughs> yeah. but I'll get you a yeah. double express after this. <laughs> oh, double quits maybe or later in the tournament. Um, yeah. But obviously New Zealand, you know, two tries in two minutes turned the game. You know, the first 20 minutes of Africa were pulverising them, but only had three points to show for it. We've seen this movie before mm. with the All Blacks. Like even Australia in the Rugby Championship, the week after beating them were on their line for about 10 minutes coughed up two tries and lost by 30 points they have the ability to, to do that but we are surprised with, with the manner in which they won in the end because they did win I know just 10 points in it but they were they were reasonably comfortable uh, winners in the end yeah like it felt like it was tied at stages watching the game but you never really felt like the All Blacks were under pressure I mean um you pointed out there that the South Africans were you know had them under the pump for that first 20 but they're only three points ahead Um both times Ireland have beaten them, like we capitalised on those chances in the in in that first mm. half, and 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 you have to score your your opportunities you get against the All Blacks in the twenty two because you're not going to get many of them. Um, but I did think they were impressive. Um, I think that their best combination at halfback is still, you know, is Bowden Barrett at ten, um, with Aaron Smith at nine. I I just think that's a better one than Richie Moanga. I think you called it right though. You're yeah, right. but I think like, I, I, was I know I did. But it. I think I think why they're pitching or sorry, why they're picking uh, Moanga there is because he's been a better goal kicker. Definitely, yeah, his no, percentages yeah. in the Super Fifteen are are, are yeah, he kicked the good one in the second half as well. And that was some teams. tackle on mm. Colby as well when he got him in the corner. Like that was a serious tackle. Do you remember that one mm. where he yeah. like he, he actually had a good game? I thought. Like wonder. I know he did. Yeah. I just think I just think the Barrett is just definitely better. Yeah. yeah, he's got the bit of an edge. I think his running game. He's mm. that bit quicker and and I seen Ben Smith come off the the, the um, bench I know that um, he's a little bit older now but he's still incredible if you had him at fullback there yeah. and Bowden barred at, at 10 but um, 
It looked because he looks a little, it still looks a little bit shaky. Say like under high balls and stuff like. I know he like when you kick it long to him, he looks class bar because he's got obviously the, the better passing game. Like it is great to have him there. Like do you know what I mean. And, and the, the the kicking as well is is still better than Ben Smith. But I don't know. I completely agree with you. Like I just think, did you see any time he got in at first receiver? Like any time the there's any, try, you know, like he. Yeah, that was but that was second receiver. That was actually, but yeah, it was more. If you saw, there was a few glimpses but of even where his acceleration oh, there to go through that gap. Yeah, like how many tens can do that in the world? And when you yeah. have that thread in there at ten, like you know, the seam of the line out and the scrum is sat down the whole time because they're worried that you're going to shoot through those, those gaps. So yeah. I think he brings a lot to the equation with that speed. The reason he has like 30 tries like as an out half in professional rugby. Oh, he's crazy. so fit as well. He's like one of those guys who, I, I said it last week, but if you watch the long periods in the game, so like any kind of like four or five minute stints where there's like a big break, there's a turnover, it goes to the other end of the pitch and there's a, you know, a break. He is always, always the guy. Like even when, do you remember when Colby made that break and we just spoke about it, Munga making that brilliant tackle in the corner. He threw the ball back in, but who was there to catch it? It was Bowden Barrett. Remember they mm. ran it out from their own line. The guy, he's just, he, I just feel like he's on a different level fitness-wise. I don't know what it is. Every time I watch him, I just feel like the, the last play in those long phases, he's always scoring a try or he's always making a last-minute minute tackle or an interception or something. He's just... And who was it he tap-tackled in the um, rugby championship there? Was it last year? There was someone that was clear, like I think it was an intercept, went the whole length of field and, yeah. and Bowden Barrett Bar corner-flagged him and managed to tip. Was it in it, the Aussie match or was it in, I can't remember which match that was in. He tap-tackled him and he's, his, it went to a TMO and his foot just brushed the line but like there's not many players in the world that would have caught him from that point. Oh, yes. He's laid on the game. and um, It's like yeah. he gets quicker. Like if you even see, do you remember the last World Cup where you made the kick through and I think there was Ben Smith might have made half a break, but he couldn't keep up with him. Even Ben Smith couldn't keep up with him once, once he kicked it through. I think it was against Australia. Like he's, yeah, it was in the finals. Like it was in the, the final. Like yeah. Last play of the yeah, tournament. Yeah, he's like still he's motoring just well. still motoring well. Like yeah. so, I, look. The point is, and to come back to what we were talking about, is I, I still think their best, and I agree with Ferg. Their best combination is definitely Smith and and because Barrett. Sorry, he's just so dynamic in there. Anytime if you if you get lazy, if your forwards, the connection between your forwards and backs. Your 10 is usually hanging around that area. So, like, as Ferg was talking about the seam, so the connection between your set piece and your backs, he's always in there. So they're the difficult places to defend. And in open play, usually it's a forward and a back. Your 10 is usually around that area. So if the backs, if they drift off him slightly, you know, forward is tired, he's the man you want there. Like, he's just so down the acceleration, getting the hands free like he did for the try. I, I feel like they might end up there I think anyway. Bowden gets picked because of his his place kicking. I genuinely do because um, Bowden Bart he can have great days, but he can have some real off days. And the times that Ireland have have beaten New Zealand, I think he's missed a couple of kicks on both occasions. Kicks that pretty, you know the likes of Johnny. Pretty much Sexton. all their big losses. The Lions second test of the Lions tour. Uh, the draw. The loss at home to South like Africa last very, year. He, can be he missed three conversions. Cold. You know, mm. so that has that is like the only kind of Achilles mm. heel the team has really. But he probably yeah. is the best player in the world. Like and he's up. Well, he's definitely in the conversation with like Vitalik, Furlong, Sexton. You know, probably Ryan at this stage. So he's definitely he's in. He's he's there thereabouts all the time. He's just so yeah. good. Like so, he, he's going to play regardless. But ten is, I think, his best position. And from a South African perspective, obviously Ireland are maybe on course to face him. You said that you thought you're more confident now than you were before the game. Like, what did you see then, really, that you thought, okay, Ireland can get little, them here? Yeah, a little bit. I thought, um, I thought the South African centre partnership was pretty one-dimensional in comparison to what we have to offer. Um, you know, I know uh, Bundy Aki went off with an injury, but Robbie Henshaw is due to come back and Guy Ringrose had a great game. I just think they're better distributors than what the South Africans have there. They're, they're both pretty quiet. Yeah. They're up and down. I think that Colby is incredible. Um, so good. Very, very good. But I think that Willie LaRue and um, Mapimpi on the other wing are... Um, wouldn't go as far as to say liabilities, but Mapimpi doesn't look like he knows what he's doing at times in defence. Obviously, he's um, absolutely rapid when he got when he's got the ball in attack. But in those tighter games, I'd like to think Ireland aren't kind of wouldn't give him that space. So he got the likes of Johnny and Conor Murray putting the ball in behind him and Larue. Um, you know, they're they're prone to to making mistakes. So I think that they'd be guys that would be looking to go after. Yeah, like I mean, even for the try, uh, the bridge try, um, and Pimpy like. <laughs> what angle he was taking to tackle it's like he was at sea he was drowning but it was like, he needed but a your man didn't even like he, yeah. he just from a stat like you always are always going to cover because like if your angle is right there 
Like you're, he's always going to have to check. He's going to have to have such a hard step off his right foot back inside that she's going to come back into your support. So you always just cover the place where you can't, like where he, if he makes a break, you're done. Uh, like it was just, it was, it was the stupidest bit of play. I was just like, because it was a nice kick, but it wasn't, the, it wasn't the complete it wasn't game breaker. That nice he of a kick, to, it just yeah, But he had to check for it, Will. Like he had, he had to check, do a goose step. It just completely sold him. Like, and I always think with Willie Larue. While he's a he is so good going forward, and he's a lovely like distributor, makes lots of good decisions. He's very kind of uh, a ba- like he's a balanced runner and deceptive as well. I don't think he's ever going to die in a jersey. I never think <laughs> I never feel I never feel like if he's if you if you have a last ditch tackle to make or you have a high ball or you really feel like you know you get but a he's few. Pro- up he's just them. prone to a couple of shockers, like you know th- that game against Leinster in the Aviva where he's clear through after. Um, Cipriani made that break and it was actually at a point in the game where uh, it was clo- it was still close I think Leinster only ahead by three or five points he gets popped the ball clear run to the line and he tries to give it this one going over the line the ball drops out of his hand just, he can do that stuff mm. he can do that mad stuff at times yeah. he can try run himself out of corners where there's you know, he should be kicking the ball into touch mm. I just think he's, he's prone to those type of brain farts that um, Ireland's back three just would never do yeah, and it's an interesting setup. I know we keep looking ahead to this game, but both sides are in a similar position whereby they they should really just win out and get to this quarterfinal. So both of them have this four-week preparation. Both coaching staff is accusing the other one of knowing them better than they know the other one. Like It's an interesting kind of phony war for the next four weeks almost. I don't want, I know, look, I don't want to look, box tick everything. Uh, look, but. at the same time, like let's talk about the really interesting thing because like and we'll 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 go with the assumption that uh which is fair enough, I think, based on the probabilities and, and just the tiering system and where everyone's sitting, that Ireland are going to get through on top of the group, uh, you know, provided they play well, um, and Scotland are probably going to come second, right? Let's let's operate. I think it's fair enough that we can do that. We're not getting ahead of ourselves, but it's the really interesting one, isn't it? I mean, I think like South Africa, uh, I was, you know, I would have. I said last week I would have preferred to get them in the in the quarter final. Um, I I, I, st- I think it's quite tight actually. I know they didn't do. I didn't. I know they didn't get any points on the board. Um, you know, for for you know the first twenty minutes when they had, I would say, fairly big dominance against that New Zealand team. I'm a little bit concerned about. I thought their defence was actually brilliant during that period. I'm not sure Ireland will. I'm not sure Ireland will cope with that as well as New Zealand did uh, during that period. Now I know New Zealand had a few shaky parts, a few bad passes and stuff. But I just, the, the, if you look at where Ireland made most of their line breaks, they went through the line. New Zealand had the capability to go outside them, so they kicked out. Like, Ireland can do the kicking game out there. They definitely can do that. But in terms of getting the ball outside them, I'm less I'm less convinced that... Like, Ireland just haven't shown that for the, for the last year or two for me. They've been usually, you know, they try and beat teams up through the middle. You look at where all the breaks came, like Henderson's, you look at CJ's, you know, even Larmer's kind of went inside someone. Um... I just feel like that South Africa defence, they're, they're not going to let it in through. And they're so physical. And with Lowe there, um, the toy with uh, Malcolm Marks, who was, you know, she's some of the worst defence ever for the, the, the breakthrough for the um, Barrett brother try. Um, but I, their defence, oh, it looked really suffocating. I was a little bit worried about it. And I actually thought, where I what I said last week was I thought Ireland might have an in in terms of the kicking game. I think that's still the case with Mpimpi. Um, and but I actually I thought know. Kobe was good under the high ball. No, he's, was, but he's, he's always good. You know, is he good I, under the high ball? Is no, he? Yeah. Said, yeah, for a, he's a small guy, though. He's a short guy. He's got a, I thought we could kind of attack them there. But he's got an unbelievable spring on him. He's like, you know, yeah. uh, he, can, like, he can jump around eight feet when he's honestly, he's, he's incredibly explosive, as you can see by his yeah. step and all the rest. Did you play against but him yeah. last year? Did I play against him last year? And the you to lose games? In the home game, did I? You would have played the home game if you played the home no, game. No, I, I didn't actually. No, I think I was ju- I was just injured at that stage. I got injured yeah. in the first um, the first or second pool game. Yeah. But uh, no, but obviously we we do a lot of footage on players before we play them in the European Cup. We go over a lot of a lot of footage. Some of the stuff he does over in the top fourteen, a lot of Irish people wouldn't probably see that if they don't watch that league but it's it's honestly phenomenal <laughs> uh, like sidestepping people with his absolutely no space very strong very yeah. strong scored a try against Wasps last year where two Brack Rose hit him and they both hit the deck and he went through and scored in the corner yeah. um, just uh, yeah, an, an unbelievable talent But and, and he is a big threat but you, you know Joe as a coach as well Lukey like he's a type 
of coach that leaves no stone unturned in preparation mm. for a team facing stars like that. He'll yeah, go yeah. through everything, you know, what foot he steps off, um, which foot he doesn't like to kick off, mm. um, if he's a bad uh, defender at his inside shoulder, if he could take him on the outside, which he obviously wouldn't. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you can try. You know, but all of those things, and he'll go yeah. through the likes of Mapimpi not being good under when the ball is put in behind him. Mm. Um, LaRue, you'll give him space, but he lo- he's loose with the ball. I'd say they'll look at that South African back three and go, we can get a couple of scores um, out of our defence. So if our defence is, is that good at shutting those guys down, they could get turnovers and, and score off the back of them. Yeah. And just one of the big talking points was the standard of officiating. Like World Rugby even released a statement today basically yeah. acknowledging that it was shite. Like. Well, do you know what? I'm actually, I'm going to say, I thought that was brilliant. Because it was really, really poor. Um, like the offside line, like the linesmen, they just get involved in the bloody game. Like, what are you doing out there? Like, seriously, what are they doing? They Pick them all was like, you know, there in, so in the back much, line oh, for that one. For that, one that intercept was a joke. And like, like, it, it was the deciding of the game. It was. Uh, but, like, the, look, I, I just think they, they really need to step up the game on this thing because there's too much for the referee to watch in around the breakdown there's so much going on there's bodies flying everywhere they need to be focusing on that stuff if they're not like they can't be looking at the offside line as well the referee just can't see that Will like if there's too much to look at inside, there's too much going on get the linesmen involved it's but, it's a great statement that, by World Rugby that's just even one aspect of it though you had like a lot of high tackles that weren't even whistled or you know the one in the Australia game and then uh, sorry Vazir or Timmy have nearly got his head yeah. taken off in both games yeah. nearly the got Samoa it. game today <laughs> Like, it was like yeah. yeah it was ridiculous he was in good form after the game though. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. sorry, the most magnanimous speech I've ever heard <laughs> yeah, man who almost got his head sorry the Samoa game it was twice he nearly got yeah. his head taken off and the guys only got yellows um, yeah. they were interesting calls as well but in especially fairness, because it's it's, they've he been got, so hot on up. it during the season like, yeah. I feel like every high tackle has been a red card in club game for the last year or two years and then mm. it's been pretty, pretty close to that it gets to the yeah. World Cup now and, and it's, the pressure's on there like pressure does does weird things to people they don't want to ruin the game as a spectacle but that's not their job like your job isn't to make the game if one of those tackles was me it would have been banned for in 10 months <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the TV I'm <laughs> looking at the TV going, they're getting yellows what's going on here Vendetta against McFadden and stuff but yeah, I was surprised at that yeah. like yeah. you know the few of them hit them but you'll see as you mentioned there um, you know with with World Rugby mentioning that they were disappointed with the officiating you can be sure they're going to be very hot going into the next game that's another thing that, that Joe will point out you know, he follows the guidelines of what the referees will be talking about mm. um, from week to week. So that he'd be making sure that all the boys are staying on side, no neck rolls, no taking people out in the air and, and ju- just not risking losing guys to the bin. But ironically, I'd like to see the timestamp on that email. I think it came out before this Russia small game and then like two seconds later, like Vaz Atemiev almost gets like two... Yeah, look, it is disappointing to see because, like, you, you can see, like, it's it's the commitment is there. Like, people are putting their bodies on the line for their country, and uh, you know, people aren't going to come off the pitch lightly. Like, obviously, you saw Vaz obviously sticking it out, but um, you know, you need to you need to manage that and need to like help the players and almost protect them from themselves at that point. And people need to be punished for it. Like, sometimes the only way to do that is on the biggest stage. Um, so yeah, they need to get control of it. And I'd be surprised if there wasn't a directive um, amongst the referees to really clamp down, particularly in the high tackles. But the offside line, I thought, was a joke in all the games, actually. So And, and that ruins the game because we don't see any attacking rugby then. You see, you know, look, you can see a bit from turnover. But you want people to be you know, creative. it's tough at the moment, I'm finding, and it's... it's it's actually happening a lot in in training as well with Leinster, and I'd say you'll, you'll see it leading into the season for the for um, the the Pro 14. But scrum halves are dummying, passing the ball, and because there's such an emphasis on 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 the top test teams to get mm. off the line, that first step is so important. Mm. Once you accelerate, it's very hard to stop. Mm. So when they're kind of they're they're not dummying with the ball, but they're almost dummying with mm. their bodies, and teams are struggling to deal with that because they're mm. still trying to get off the line so hard. Mm. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that's managed going into the, the uh, second and third games for most countries. Yeah, that's interesting. And just, I guess, on, on the Pro 14 for a second, it comes back this weekend, you're obviously in training with Leinster at the moment. Like, what's what's the atmosphere like? Is it a bit strange when you have this massive showpiece event on the other side of the world that I kind of pretty much everyone's focusing on, but then you're kind of, your day job, getting back to business with, you know, playing Treviso this weekend? Yeah, it's... Uh... It probably should be stranger, but we're kind of in our own little bubble. You know, we're watching the boys, you know, compete in, in uh, at the highest level for for our game over there, and we're obviously um, hoping they do great. But um, you know, Stu and, and Leo have, have us training very hard. Um, you know, we're in a good place going into the start of the season, so it should be a um, should be a tough one in the first fixture away to Treviso. And can I follow up on something like that? Because I'd just be really interested to hear. Um, you know, what's the vibe in the camp like after? 
um, you know, after how last season ended with, particularly with the Saracens game, um, like what, what, what were the kind of the, the parting thoughts and, and like how did you pick yourselves up for, for this season? Like, cause what's, what are the new learnings that you have? I don't have to give away any insider stuff, but mm. just like, what were the takeaways? Did you feel like it was a few, cause my sense of it from talking to a few lads was like, they kind of felt it was a few moments. Whereas when I was looking at it, like I actually thought Saracens, they look, they look pretty dominant to me. Like yeah. what was the feeling there? Like from, from you guys having thought about uh, it afterwards? I think there was a couple of big moments that they did win. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think across the board, you know, the winning and losing of the game was probably f- from watching on, on the sidelines and uh, in hindsight was the line speed, I think. I think oh, yeah. our line speed had been really good all year long, but all of a sudden we get to, this fi- we get to a final and all of that's the, the opposition strength and you're kind of looking around going, what's going on here? I just think they were getting off the line that bit quicker. Mm. Um you could have come back to your point there about a few teams being offside. I thought they were right on the edge in that game. And fair, fair play to them. Yeah. They got away with it. But, um, yeah, definitely think they're probably on top and in that area. And they just got a lot out of it. You know, they got a lot of turnovers off it and all the rest. Big mm. moments. And when you kind of reset and go ahead to the next season, is when you're kind of... Like Leinster and Saracens last season in particular did look maybe a step above oh, the rest yeah. of Europe. Like, do you kind of have them in your mind, like, or is it just you kind of concentrating on your, your next game, or do you at the back of your mind you thinking like they're the benchmark there where we need to be at? Once we get to Europe, I'd say we will be, but I mean the way the Pro Fourteen has has evolved over the past few seasons, we can't be thinking about Europe just yet. We'll just try to get as much momentum as possible in these first five games with what's largely a younger group, you know, which would be great for a few of these guys to get some exposure to some ex- exciting talents that'll hopefully get some game time and then some some older, more experienced guys like, um, you know, Scott Fardy, Jameson Gibson Park, James Lowe, myself. And, and there's a kind of a guys in their mid-20s there that have had a lot of game time as well, a lot of big games at Leinster, the likes of Ross Maloney, Rory O'Loughlin, Ross Byrne, obviously, and others. The so Byrne brothers as well. I like the Byrne them. brothers. They yeah. played some great rugby last year. Yeah, there's it, and you know Max Deegan was playing brilliant rugby last year with the uh, with the chances he got. So um, it's an exciting time for the club. It's a weird one because you know the RDS probably isn't going to be as full as it normally is with a lot of the guys away. But um, there's a big responsibility on on the group that's there because the benchmark we set after five games is the one that the boys are coming back to from the World Cup and we're watching them blow Scotland off the park so it just gives us more as an incentive to perform yeah, Can I ask you just a quick one on that because you mentioned some of the young guys Ferg. is there anyone that we should be um, watching out for you're always really good at picking out the guys with the you know the, the bit of talent that you think will go for I always feel like you, you have a good you know you, you have your finger on the pulse of that stuff who, who do you think anyone that we that's maybe not on our radar um, um, that you think could have a real you know could have a, a big impact this year get a few games in, the, in maybe even European Cups I think there's a lot of guys a lot of young guys mm. that there's actually some of them that they've actually been around a while they feel like they're kind of in their mid-twenties or they're actually only like 21 or so um, it's hard to, to to point anyone in particular out I think you know um the likes of Caelan Doris and Will Connors. There's a couple of great players in the back row and Tommy O'Brien, who I think was, um, could he have been the captain for a game or two uh, for the under-20s uh, centre. He looks like a really exciting talent. But there's a, there's a whole bunch of guys there mm-hmm. that I think if they do get their chances, you know, when you're training under Stuart and the level he intensity that he, if you're managing those training sessions uh, under him and, and training well, which a lot of the guys are doing, I've no doubt that they'll, they'll do very well once the, the official season starts for us. Yeah, like it's easy to look at this time of year and think, oh, you know, does it really matter? But if you look at the corresponding time four years ago, Guy Ringrose made his Leinster debut, jo- uh, Dan Levy and Josh van der Fleer. I, don't, I think they, they either made their first start or their debuts as well in this World Cup period. So, you know, it's very kind of important for the young guys. So it must be an interesting time for you as one of the veteran players. You have to, I guess, set the tone that it isn't just like, oh, the Pro 14, the World Cup's on, no one's watching. Like it, it is an important time for a lot of people. Yeah, I'm trying to make sure they don't fully take the bread off my table. <laughs> uh, as much as they're trying to take <laughs> everything from it. But uh, no, it's 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 very competitive. You know, you, you'd think, uh, you know, being at Club Leinster for a long, long time that uh, you'd be more entitled to get more game time. You're not entitled to anything anymore, which is the great thing about the culture we've set in the club. You know, you leave your scrapbook at home, you know, you could could have won plenty of trophies. And if there's a younger guy coming in there who's training better than you, playing better than you, he should get picked ahead of me, and I'll, I'll openly say that now because if the coaches are doing that, they're going to get the best out of the, the group. Um, so to get game time for me, even in this period with all the guys gone, like there's 
you go to the depth of the back threes that we have there, like you've got Dave Carney, Adam Byrne, um, you've got uh, James Lowe, myself, Barry Daly was unfortunate enough to pick up a, an injury. Keen Keller has come from Connacht, who is a, an outstanding talent. I've no doubt he'll go brilliantly. Um, so listen, there's, there's a lot of depth there. There's a lot of great Fuck, players yeah. there. So, so how do you feel? Like, but, it, you know, it's a type of team now that you've got to be ready each week, regardless of if you have three, four games in a row. There's a level that's expected. You come in after maybe not playing for two or three weeks, you've got to grasp your opportunity, and, and it's, it's a good way to be. What year did you make your Leinster debut? 2007. So how does it feel now, 12 years later, coming into another season? Like It must feel like a long time ago now. Yeah, it feels exciting. Um, I think it was, I went into the setup in the summer of 2005 into the academy system. So that kind of feels like a different lifetime going away because Luke will tell you, like guys were, and Luke was, you know, lucky enough to, um, he didn't do the hard road stuff. <laughs> he didn't do the hard road stuff like, you know, get up, the get up before shot. college at six in the morning, go college. do, go to, go, yeah, college. go to ways. <laughs> what are you talking that? about? What are you talking about, mate? The left wing is Lukey's college, right? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like we were getting changed out of the back of cars and stuff in Old Belvedere. The facilities just weren't where they're at now. And now they're at a world-class level, which is great. And that's come with the success of the club but it was just so different and mm. it feels like um, it kind of feels like a different life ago but it, it, it on the other side it, it feels like yesterday um, but the thing that's kind of I kept a spring in my step the whole way has been you know you lose some great guys but you get some great guys you're just constantly you know getting to know great personalities mm. within the setup and great players and I've yeah just been lucky enough to cling on for, for, for this time so hopefully a bit longer and for your own kind of preparation now, I know you had a, a child relatively recently. Like, how does that change, you know, your own preparation? Obviously, if you don't have any children... Just, you just see his Instagram today. He's <laughs> fucking nothing's changed. Still an absolute messer. He's like <laughs> twirling around. He's supposed to be bringing the kid for into the playground and he's off messing and everything. There's not a chance that this changed. Uh, don't bring up my private life. <laughs> I mentioned that, yeah? yeah. yeah. His missus is doing everything. Yeah, don't make me bring up your private life in here, right? <laughs> Please You've don't. had it easy so far in this show. <laughs> have at it. Uh, but it is. It's a big change, I'd say, is it? Yeah, it is a big change. It's more... It's more time management. Um, you know, previously, uh, you would have remembered, you know, when you were, you had just had a missus or say you were single or whatever, you'd happily go for coffees and lunches and all the rest with lads post-training. But when you've got a baby and you've got to pick them up from crash and get them back, it's actually a nice distraction after training as well because some days you might not have, things might not have gone fully your way in terms of you might have trained the best or otherwise other days even if they do go well it's just nice to switch off with um, the little fella at home so it's it's a it's a nice um, new avenue to my life I suppose at the moment I'm enjoying it and is it strange competing against players now that as you say you've been in there since 2007 guys who are probably 10 years younger than you heard the cuts of it is it strange? What's up with that one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think... It, it was, really, uh, he went after you digging him all night for this. That's quite asking questions. It's like Bestie's interview after the game, man. What did the guy say to him? It was like, <laughs> someone your age. Player. Yeah, you're the oldest player ever. Someone your age. Great. Congratulations. <laughs> he's, but he's looking to... Like, listen, uh, he's looking to get a bite, which is fair enough. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I was... I. But, I, but I was, you know, that younger guy yeah. as well, obviously. And that's just the evolution of... The game, life, everything, you know, um, without getting too philosophical about it. But when I was coming up, you know, you had the likes of Dennis Hickey who was just finishing and then the likes of Shane Horgan. But the great thing about rugby in a change room is that once training starts and a bit of crack is happening around the place, the age bracket, it, it just goes out the window. You've got a lot in common with a lot of guys in there. And there are your core guys you hang out with because you've got those other things, those other strands to your life that you've more in common with them. But in general, when you're in the setup, it's not like I feel like I'm 33 and they feel like they're 21. If anything, I'd say they're looking at me going, his maturity <laughs> levels really aren't as high as they should be. <laughs> yeah. but, like um, I, ever grow I would up. like to think that's a good thing. Right? <laughs> but it's a good, I'd say it's a great, like, uh, like I never obviously got to experience, like really like experience. You, you'd still be in there if you weren't injured. Like, So do you ever think yeah, about... That's very generous of you, Will, I don't know. Well, you're uh, not the same age. <laughs> yeah, but I, it might have been, you know, probably if I, if I, well, towards the end of my career, I was definitely uh, kind of waning a little bit and wasn't playing as much and stuff. So you just wouldn't know where you end up. But look, in terms of that, I always think it would have been a real interesting 
part of your career where you have you've you've learned all the stuff you like you know you can go out you can have an injury you can be you know you can have a band or something and you come out but you've just got all this knowledge embedded into you I'd say it's so I always found towards the end like towards the end of my career that it was way easier to just come back in because you just had all this kind of knowledge and it was way easier to just fit back into a team because the the habits and all that kind of stuff was ingrained in you but I always thought it'd be interesting and I kind of got a little bit of it maybe um particularly during Matt O'Connor's era where you had some of the younger guys coming to you and asking you questions about stuff and you're kind of saying, oh, should I actually be, should I be telling them this? We're kind of competing for spots. But it was a great spot to be. I actually really enjoyed it and I loved you actually... You Gary Ringer was everything he uh, No, <laughs> far from it, Gary. But uh, no, Gary was actually kind of, he's very much his own man, really. But like the likes of an Adam Byrne and those guys would come up to you and they'd ask you questions about, you know, where should I be defensively or what do you think about this? And I always enjoyed that, you know. I always enjoyed kind of encouraging and working with the younger guys. And as Ferg said, there's a lot of good personalities in there, you know. It takes them a while sometimes to kind of really, you know, show their colours in that and show what their, their real personality is like. Um, until they're comfortable but uh, the, I think the squad dynamic it doesn't really change as long as you have good people in there and they will have good people in a place like Leinster um, and they would have in all the provinces um, they're a great it's a great place to be like I mean guys like I was doing a thing with Mal O'Kelly last week and you know Mal would have been close to maybe 10 years older than us yeah. but he was a great personality like he just oh, mucked in with all the, the crack best, yeah, yeah. Like, he was on that TV3 talk, afternoon talk show just there when I was coming down I was like he's still has some name but, brand recognition but it's what, exactly what Ferg said like the once you're in there once you're training together you're going away on tours together on buses on planes whatever it is uh, you know you're rooming with these guys you have great fun together you realise that yes people are at different stages in their life but you're actually all trying to achieve the same thing and you have so much in common so it's a great bit of crack and I, I would say the dynamic I'm sure you know you'd say the same while it's definitely probably changed it's still great fun in there oh it is it certainly is and I am definitely enjoying it it's just different you know mm. it's at the end of the day there's um, the large majority of the guys who are gone to the World Cup are the guys I've been there with since 2007 so um yeah, you're just trying to bring as much to the table in terms of tra training and playing yourself and, and giving that bit of uh, knowledge, as you mentioned, in meetings uh, to guys if they ask you. But to be fair to the setup at the moment, um, it's fair, very interactive. You know, um, the meetings are set up in such a way that they want the younger guys to contribute and, and find their voice. Because at the end of the day, you know, uh, you can be as quiet as you want, but you, you need to um, be a bit extroverted at times in a rugby setup because when those um, tight games come in and you're in stadiums are packed full of people, you need to be talking to your opposition, um, your, your, your sorry, your uh, your fellow players beside you in those big moments. Okay, that's just about it. But just before we wrap up, what are you expecting to see from Ireland Japan then in terms of uh, maybe the team selection also the result? I'm expecting an Ireland win. I think. Um I think they should do it comfortably if they perform to their uh, potential. Um, I'd like to see them pick, as I said earlier on, a fairly consistent kind of squad. Um, you know, it, barring some of the injuries, you know, there will be some ones that they'll have to make changes with. But I'd like to see them stick with the group that, that did well against Scotland, um, barring the enforced changes. And I think um, build on a lot of the good work. So Ferg touched on the important parts defensively. Um, you know, Japan are dangerous. They will... They will They'll, they'll play a, an expansive game. They'll try an offload. They can cause trouble for you, and they have some good runners in, uh, in in the in the broken field. But if Ireland stick to what they're really good at, and you know, show like in terms of like that that tight five dominance, the set piece dominance, the accuracy around the pitch, the the defence off the line, um, I could see them winning it comfortably, and I think they should do that. Um, and if they do that, I think I think the confidence will be infectious. It'll it'll go throughout the whole group, and it'll bring them nicely in towards the last couple of games, and hopefully that quarterfinal so I'm expecting to win by 15 points or so yeah I think it'll be I think it'll be another 5 points um, and I think if we can get that as long as we our defence is kind of where it was against I mean keeping Scotland scored as I know they, they fumbled a lot more ball than they normally do but it's still a great achievement to keep them scoreless and I'm sure not many sides have mm. done that over the, the, um, the yeah. past couple of seasons um, so to see that again, I think that's probably the most important part. I think we will get five tries, but I think uh, to keep Japan scoreless um, would add another great string to our defensive bow uh, in this tournament because I think defences win um, competitions and if this is the biggest one, our defence is going to have to be the best in it. And actually one last question, we didn't talk about either team, but the kind of big game of the weekend is Australia versus Wales, which will decide that pool. Who do you fancy to come out of that? Um, I think Australia will win that. Yeah, um, I know they were yeah, like it was a, it's a difficult enough proposition against Fiji, um, and as Ferg said, they had some 
um, they looked a little bit more structured than they than you normally were. So there wasn't really those ins into the game against them that you normally get, where you just kind of get complete on our domination around set piece. I didn't think that was there, um, but I think they showed enough. Um, so I think really trouble Wales, and I think they usually play well against them. So I, I'm backing them to to actually have a big performance and, and beat Wales. It'll need to be a big performance because, you know, um, as much as there's been a bit of turnover and a bit of, uh, you know, uh, disruption in the Welsh camp, they'll be very much on the same page for this one, and they'll be a big threat for for um, for Australia. But I just think they have the individuals to um, to cope with that and, and come out on top. We're gonna roll that coffee. Oh, we gonna double quits. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll take Conway Wales. So, yeah. Mm, okay. You're saying Australia. What? Were you, what? Why? Why do you think? I just think the Wales are very. They're very hard to beat at the big competitions. I know they weren't fully mm. convincing um, themselves by their standards, but uh, I think they're very, very hard to beat at the World Cup. Um, and I think that they know that they need that. Like topping this, this group is 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 you know kind of pivotal for them. Mm. Um, I don't know, I just think their pack is, is potentially a little bit better as well. So There you go, that's mm. the key. Mm. Well, a great first weekend in the books. I'll mark that down on our coffee ledger that I'll keep note of. At the very <laughs> end, you can come in with like a barrel of it. This stint could cost me a lot of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> well just get me a sleeve and espresso. <laughs> well, until next week, Dad, thanks for joining me. Cheers. That's all we have time for in the left wing this week in association with Ali. We will be back next week with another podcast reviewing all the action. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thank you for listening and goodbye. The Left Wing Podcast in association with Aldi. Spend 30 euro in store for a chance to win 50,000 euro for your primary school.